Thank you for joining us for this chapel message from the campus of Columbia International University in Columbia, South Carolina. Our mission at CIU is to educate people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. Well, good morning. Great to be in the Lord's house. Hey, team, did you enjoy the worship? All right, can we give God praise? That's our worship team at Rock Springs Church, and I so appreciate them. And I'm so thrilled to uh, get to be here at Columbia International University. Uh, Dr. Rick, great to be with you. I appreciate uh, the great job that you're doing. I appreciate this wonderful, wonderful university. Now, I've got, a, I've got an assignment. I've got a task. How many, how many baseball fans do we have? How many baseball fans? Got a few baseball fans. Okay. Here's, here's my task. My task is I've got, Sam, here's what I've got to do. I've got to get some runners on the bases. You said, Pastor, what do you mean? I've, I've got to get somebody on first and maybe somebody on second. I don't know that I'll get somebody on third, but I've got to get some runners, Andre, on the bases. I really do. I've got to get some ducks on the pond. And the reason why I've got to get some ducks on the pond, if, if I can get ducks on the pond, Bishop Dale Bronner will follow me and he'll hit a home run. Amen? So I, that's all I want to do is get some ducks on the pond. I want you to do something. Would you stand with me? Would we just stand just for a moment? I want to share a couple of scriptures, and then I'm going to pray and then talk to you about something that I think is very practical that I believe will be a help to you. 2 Timothy chapter 4, the great apostle Paul, before he was going to be beheaded at Nero's chop block, from a prison said these words, I fought a good fight. Isn't that something? You said, Pastor Benny, how do you know he'd fought a good fight? Because he'd fought a good fight, amen? I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. But not to me only, but to all those that love is appearing. Let's pray. God, I cannot. You never said I could. You can. You always said you would. So I pray today that you'll make our tongue a ready writer's pen. I pray today that I will speak your truth with clarity. I pray, God, that I will give people inspiration. But Lord, more than inspiration, I pray they leave with information. Information that we can be, so we can be good soldiers. Good soldiers for Jesus Christ. Have your will, Lord, have your way. And for all you do, we're just going to bow our unworthy heads and we're going to praise you for I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Till you come, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to take a few moments and I want to talk to you about finishing well. Finishing well. That's what the great apostle Paul did. He finished well. He said, I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I have kept 
the faith. In my research, I found out something very interesting. For 10 people that enter the ministry when they're 21 years of age, for 10 people that enter the ministry at age 21, at age 65, only one is still in the ministry. For 10 that enter at age 21, at 65, only one is still in the ministry. That means nine out of 10 drop out. 1,700 pastors every month are walking away from ministry. 1,700 every month. Barna Research tells us in 2021, 42% of pastors said they considered quitting. 42% in 2021 said they considered quitting. Literally last year, 4,500 churches closed their doors. So I believe, ladies and gentlemen, if there's a timely message, if there's a timely message, this is a timely message that we want to finish well. We want to finish well. It's not how you start, ladies and gentlemen. It's how you finish that counts. And I don't know about you. I'm 58 years old, but I want to finish well. Amen? I want to finish well. I was reading a story about a runner who was representing Tanzania in the Olympic Games in Mexico City in 1968. The story said the runner from Tanzania, he failed and he messed up his knees and he was bleeding badly and they tried to get him to stop, but he kept on in the race. Actually, by the time he crossed the finish line, the race had been over for many hours and they interviewed him and they said, you fell down, you, you were bleeding. Why didn't you just stop? Why didn't you just come out of the race? He was from Tanzania and he said these words, my country didn't send me 7,000 miles to start the race. My country sent me 7,000 miles to finish the race. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I want to say to you, God wants every one of us to finish the race. Amen? God wants us to finish the race. Now listen, I've been pastoring the same church for starting 34 years. Somebody said, Pastor, how do you stay at a church 34 years? When I wanted to leave, I just stayed. And when the people wanted me to leave, I just stayed, amen? I felt like it would be easier for them to move their membership than me to move my furniture. I just stayed, amen? I want to finish faithful. And let me tell you something. I want you to finish faithful. I want you to finish faithful. And I want to give you some components that are very practical. Nothing deep about my preaching. Nothing deep. Adrian Rogers said simplify, simplify, simplify. And when you get through, they'll say he was profound. 
simplify, simplify, simplify. And when you get through, they'll say you're profound. God didn't call us to feed giraffes. He called us to feed the sheep. Amen? I'm not deep, but I'm not stuck. And I'm going to give you some stuff that will help you. Pastor, how can I finish well? First of all, have an unhurried, quiet time with God every day. Have an unhurried, quiet time with God every day. I want you to know something. The devil had rather you prepare a song. The devil had rather you prepare a lesson. The devil had rather you prepare a sermon as prepare yourself. If we're going to finish faithful, I want to challenge you, ladies and gentlemen, to have an unhurried, quiet time with God every day. Look, David was going against a giant, and when he was going against that giant, he said, the Lord delivered me out of a paw of a lion. The Lord delivered me out of a paw of a bear, and he'll deliver this giant into my hands. I thought about it, folks. Where was he at when God delivered him out of the paw of a lion and out of the paw of a bear? He was all alone, just him and God. And God showed me something. You'll never be any more for God in public than you are for God in private. You'll never be any more for God in public than you are for God in private. I want to say to you, if you want to finish faithful, have an unhurried, quiet time. Mark 3.14 says this, And he ordained the twelve that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. I want you to understand Before he sent them forth to preach, he said, I simply want you to be with me. Before I'll heal, before you heal the sick, before you cast out the devils, before you do anything else, I just want you to be with me. Some of you are like me, you have a little age. When I was 30 years old, high energy, low IQ. When I was 30 years old, I wanted to be a great preacher. It didn't happen. When I was 40 years old, I wanted to build a great church. At 30, I wanted to be a great preacher. At 40, I wanted to build a great church. But in my 50s, ladies and gentlemen, I want to know God. I want to know God. More than anything else, I want to know God. You say, Pastor, I want to finish faithful. I want to say to you, have an unhurried, quiet time. Let me tell you the second step to finishing faithful. It's keep a spirit of humility. Keep a spirit of humility. One day I'd preached at our church, and if you're pastors here, how many pastors we got? Bunch of pastors, bunch of pastors. One day I, I really felt like, I really felt like I'd hit the ball hard that day. I mean, I felt like I just preached the fuzz off a tennis ball. I really felt like I did it. You, you've been there, amen? <laughs> just left no meat on the bone, amen? I mean, just, just, just did it. And we were driving home, and I said, Barbara, great service today. I was fishing. I said, great service today. She said, yeah, it was okay. And uh, I said, Barbara... How many really great preachers do you think there are in America? She said, one less than you do. Amen? 
1 Corinthians 10 and 12 says this, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. When, when I was a little young preacher, when I was a little young preacher, I went and heard a man by the name of Bill Gothard. Bill Gothard taught me as a young preacher. He said, you better learn to deflect praise. You better to learn to deflect praise because if you don't learn to deflect praise, it will literally destroy you. See, I've met some of the great ones, folks, in my life, and this is what I've learned. All the great ones are humble. All the great ones are humble. I remember I was talking to Franklin Graham, and he said, he said, Benny, he said, I took my dad, Billy Graham, through his library the first time. He said, I pushed daddy through, Benny. I, I pushed him through in a wheelchair. And he said, after we got on the other side, we, we exited the library, library. I said, daddy, what do you think? And Billy Graham said these words. Too much about me and not enough about him. Too much about me and not enough about him. And Franklin looked at me and he said, but Benny, you don't understand. One picture was too much about daddy as far as he was concerned. One picture. Let me tell you something, folks. D.L. Moody would preach. D.L. You know why you can't find pictures of D.L. Moody? He didn't want pictures of him taken. When D.L. Moody would preach, he wouldn't stand behind the pulpit. D.L. Moody would stand outside the pulpit because he didn't want the emphasis to be on him. If you study the Bible, there were 400 leaders in the Bible. 400 leaders. 80 of them finished faithful. Only 20% finished faithful. If you study the 80, the 20% that finished faithful, they had one commonality. It was humility. It was humility. Get this, folks. Jesus described himself one time in the Bible. Jesus, Jesus never said, I am love. John said he was love. Jesus said, Jesus never said, I am holy. Peter said he was holy. Jesus described him one, one, himself one time in Matthew 11 and 29. He said, I am meek and lowly. And ladies and gentlemen, if we're going to be like Jesus, we're going to be meek and lowly. If we're going to finish faithful, got to have an unhurried, quiet time. Got to keep a spirit of humility. Let me, let me, let me move quickly. You've got to stay accountable. You've got to stay accountable. Don't shout me down while I'm preaching good. You've got to stay accountable. Every email I receive, my assistant reads. Why, Pastor? I want to stay accountable. Everywhere I go, if my wife can't be with me, the church says, we've hired a man to be with Brother Benny because we want Brother Benny to be accountable. You, you, you hear me closely, folks. I, I don't care who you are. You're in a dangerous place in your life and in your ministry when nobody can tell you no.
You're at a dangerous place in your life, in your ministry, when nobody can tell you no. Folks, we get in trouble. This deal, well, I'm accountable to God. No, no, you need accountability in your life. And if you're going to finish faithful, sis, if you're going to finish faithful, sir, you've got to set up accountability in your life. Let me tell you the fourth step to finishing faithful. Be squeaky clean regarding finances. I told you I was just going to preach where we live. Be squeaky. You say, well, why, why would he address stuff like this? Well, there's 500 verses in the Bible on prayer. There's 500 verses in the Bible on faith and 2,300 in the Bible on finances. Apparently, God wants us to know something about finances. Be squeaky clean regarding finances. Our church, I was telling Bishop Bronner, it's in the country. It's in Milner, Georgia. Hooterville. Our zip code is E-I-E-I-O. <laughs> and for years I lived in a pastorium, a parsonage. If I had to do that again, I'd let my children play with matches. But anyway, <laughs> I, I lived in a parsonage, but, but our church started growing. And they said, Pastor, we're going to have to tear the, tear the parsonage down because we're going to have to build a bigger building. So you're going to have to get you a house. My wife and I never had a house. We lived in parsonages. So I go to the bank, and I say, I need to get a house. And the lady does some research, and she comes back, and she's got a, her look is so different. I said, oh, what's wrong? I could tell the look on her face, Bishop. I said, what's wrong? Because I knew we needed a loan to get the house. She said, you've got excellent credit. I said, well, I, I, I would have thought that. She said, you're a minister. <laughs> she said, you, you pay your bills. You pay them on time. You're a minister. God help us. Maybe my last year, Andre. <laughs> Squeaky clean regarding finances. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying pay your tithes. <laughs> I'm saying pay your tithes. You can't preach it if you don't do it. I'm, hey, when it comes to giving, some people stop at nothing. Pay your tithes. Pay your bills. And senior pastor, pay your staff. Yes, I've learned if you play, if you pay money, you get leaders. And if you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. Amen. <laughs> I'm just saying, folks, if you pay your tithes, if you pay your bills, if you pay your staff, it will pay off. It will pay off. Let me let me tell you the fifth step to I've got to move. The fifth step uh, to uh Finishing right is maintain 
sexual purity. Pastor, I wish you wouldn't talk about that in church. Well, it was God's idea. Amen. God created it. And most of us are here because of it. Amen. I'm talking about maintaining sexual purity. Billy Graham said these words. He said, the devil gets 75% of God's best servants through sexual temptation. Billy Graham said, God, listen to me closely. You said, Pastor, this is not relevant to me. Uh, you said, Pastor, I'm here. I'm a man. It's, it's not relevant to me. Well, look here. You're stronger than Samson, wiser than Solomon, and godlier than David. And I can't wait to meet you. Amen? <laughs> Billy Graham said, 75%, 75% of God's best servants fall through sexual temptation. Help me, Pastor. Look here, look here, folks. What do you do, Brother Benny? I don't meet with a female alone. I, you say, well, Pastor, I have to do it. No, you don't have to do it. I, I just don't do it. You're going to get in trouble if you do it. No, I, I don't ride alone with a female in a vehicle other than my wife. I'll do it with multiple people, but not just me and her, not just me and a woman. You said, Pastor Benny, you're overboard. Maybe I am. Maybe I am. But when I travel and get a room, they'll say, oh, we, we've got you in this room. And I said, no, no, no. The man who travels with me is in the room with me. You say, you're overboard. Maybe I am. But I'd rather be too far one way. It's too far the other way. Let me tell you the sixth step, or let me, let, me, let me share something on this, and then I will get to the sixth step. Howard Hendricks said these words. Howard Hendricks said, the devil will lie in the weeds 40 years to trap one of God's servants. Look here. I'm helping a friend of mine right now that the devil lied in the weeds 40 years. The devil will lie in the weeds 40 years to trap one of God's servants. Howard Hendricks researched 600 Fallen leaders, 600 leaders who fail morally. And Howard Hendricks said there were three common denominators. Denominator number one, they never thought it would happen to them. They never thought it would happen to them. The best of men are men at best. Number two, they were not in private devotions. They never thought it would happen to them. They were not in private devotions. And number three, they were not accountable. Let me tell you the sixth step to finishing faithful. Come to terms with another success. Come to terms with another success. I was with a national minister. I'm not a golfer, but I went to him with him just to be with him because he golfs. I would golf if you could do it in 20 minutes, but you can't. 
We were on the golf course, and he said to me, I want to ask you something. Do you really struggle with the success of other ministers? I said, let me explain to you why. I don't. I said, I was born out of a one-night relationship. I was raised by a stepfather who told me I was ignorant, illegitimate, and would never amount to anything in my life. He beat me and he beat my mother. I was homeless for a while. I didn't know who my daddy was till I was 30 years old. I said, no, I, I've never struggled with anybody else's success. I just pinch myself every day. I just thank God for how he's blessed my life. I just thank God for how, I thank God how he's blessed my life. Amen. And he said, well, I, I really struggle with it. And I said, you better deal with it. Because, see, it destroyed a man by the name of Saul. The people started saying, remember the singing? The people started saying, uh, uh, Saul's killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. And ladies and gentlemen, what we have to realize is God has gifted people in different ways. God has gifted people in different ways. I just want to encourage you to be who you are. Be who you is, because if you ain't who you is, you ain't who you is. God has uniquely gifted you. Just be you. Come to terms with others' success and rejoice with them. Let me tell you four things how you can deal with it. Look here. Think about the word proud. Look, look here. Look here. It's, it's wrong for me to have pride in my life. But it's not wrong for me, Andre, to be proud of you. And if I told Andre more how proud I was of him, perhaps there wouldn't be struggles with pride. If I told Andre, Andre, I'm so proud of you and that godly dad that you've got. I'm so proud of how he raised you. Andre, I'm so proud of how you want to have this conference and you want to help pastors. Hey, right, folks, when's the last time you told somebody you was proud of them? Bishop, I'm so proud. Uh, listen, you have a sanctuary that seats 4,500 people. Filling that thing up several times on Sunday. You're reaching people that I'd never reach. I'm so proud of you. Look, look here, folks. Think about that word Proud. If we just let others know we're proud. But look, look here. What, what if not only we're proud, what if we promoted? Look, look, what, look here. What, many times I go to the platform and I say, have you, have you got my latest book? Hey, 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 you can follow my podcast here. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm having this conference here. What, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it blow your mind if somebody got up and just started promoting somebody else's ministry? Just started promoting somebody else's ministry instead of themselves. Just remember that little word proud. Just remember that little word promote. Hey, hey. what about possessions? <laughs> what, what if I'm pastoring a Pentecostal church and I said, hey, there's a Baptist church down the road. <laughs> they're, they're trying to build a new building. Why don't I send a love offering down there to them? Hey, 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 yes, yeah, there's, there, 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 there's a Pentecostal church, and I'm a Baptist, hypothetically. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a kind of a Baptist Pentecostal anyway. But anyway, 
Well, what if I sent them? What if I shared possessions? Proud, promote possessions, and then prayer. And then prayer. Then you pray for others. That, that leads me into the seventh point to finishing faithful. That is, be a giver. Be a giver. Givers always have more than enough. Takers never have enough. Somebody said, I want to create a culture of giving. Leaders, listen, if you want to create a culture of giving, you've got to be a giver yourself. But in most churches, we've got a deadly disease. It's called cirrhosis of the giver. Folks, there's a time in the life of every church when the generosity of the church is tested. I've never set a price to go speak somewhere. If I can go, I just go. I figured if you're too big for the small church, you're too small for the big church. I just go. But many times I say, Pastor, we, we're glad to have you here, and we want to give you a love offering. And I get out in the car, and I realize they gave me more love than offering. Be a giver. See, folks, you can, be a, you can be a window person or a mirror person. And a window person is a giver, and a mirror person is not. I heard about a pastor that went to a, a store, and he wanted to buy some perfume for his wife. And he said, I, I, I need that bottle right there. And they handed it to him. And he said, how much is it? And the lady behind the counter said, it's $50. He said, do you have anything cheaper? She handed him one, and he said, how much is it? And said, $35. And he said, do you have anything cheaper? And she handed him a copy, and it was $20. And he said, uh, can I see something cheaper? And she showed him a mirror. <laughs> let, let, me, let me tell you the eighth step to finishing faithful. Live in total forgiveness. Live in total forgiveness. The greatest blessings of your life will be tied to forgiveness. The greatest blessings of your life will be tied to forgiveness. 33 years ago, I came to Rock Springs Church. We started out with 25 people. I've often said, to supplement my income, I sold furniture. I sold my living room suit, my bedroom suit, my dining room suit. <laughs> the church has grown from 25 till us yesterday we had 7,284. You said, do you count people? I count people because people count. But I want you to know something. Starting with 25 people, there are some people that have fought me every step of the way. You got to be kidding. No, no, no. You, you, you would have thought they would have said, hey, surely God's hands on this man. Surely God's hands on this ministry. No, they fought me every step of the way. Because, folks, anywhere there's opportunity, there's opposition. And if God's blessing, the devil's messing. Amen? Yeah. Certainly. 
And I remember I was having a conversation. I told my church this. I was having a conversation with my wife. And some of those people who had fought me every step of the way, their name was mentioned. And I looked at my little wife of 38 years. 38 years. I wrote the book, Happy Wife, Happy Life. I wrote it. Because I learned if mama ain't happy, there ain't nobody happy. And if daddy ain't happy, there ain't nobody cares. <laughs> and Barbara mentioned their names. Brother Rogers, and I looked at her and I said, I've forgiven them. She said, if you've forgiven them, how come every time their names mention your countenance changes? I just wanted to slap her in Jesus' name. <laughs> but look, folks, look here, get this. She was right. I wasn't living in total forgiveness. I had bitterness. I had feelings. And it was hindering God from blessing our church. It was hindering God from blessing our church. I had feelings. I knew I had feelings. I mean, let me tell you something. The Bible says that Job had these three friends. Remember those three friends? <laughs> well, friends like that, who needs enemies? And they came and said, Job, it's pretty obvious you're sinning. The reason why you're having problems is there's sin. I know it hurt Job deeply. But Job gets to the end of his life. And you read in Job 42, the Bible says God gave Job double what he had before. And he says these words in Job 42. And the Lord turned the captivity on Job when he reached the point he could pray for those friends who had done him wrong. When he reached the point he could pray for those that talked about him. I'm talking about living in total forgiveness. I'm talking about living in total forgiveness. You say, preacher, I don't know if I'm there. Well, let me help you out with it. Joseph's brothers sold him. You know the story. But what they meant for evil, God meant for good. Amen. Always does. Joe becomes the, uh, he, Joseph becomes the most second powerful man in Egypt. They would have all starved to death had it not been for Joseph. And the day comes that he's going to reveal himself to his brothers. He's going to reveal that I am your brother. We've been separated for years. Now think about this, folks. Before he revealed himself, he said, I want everybody to leave the room. The reason why he wanted everybody to leave the room, Joseph was a hero. If the men, the, the men in that room had heard that they put him in a pit that they sold him. Well, there would have been a revolution against those guys. Those guys, I, I, they would have been hitting those guys so hard and fast, they would have been saying, y'all quit. I mean, their tooth fairy would have needed a wheelbarrow, amen? Joseph said, wait, I'm going to reveal myself, but empty the room. Empty the room. How you know if you're living in total forgiveness, have you emptied the room? 
If you're still talking about what so-and-so did to you, you've not emptied the room. If you're still addressing what happened to you three years ago, you've not emptied the room. If you're still talking about how bad you were hurt, you've not emptied the room. Let me tell you the ninth step to finishing faithful. Keep a kingdom mindset. Keep a kingdom mindset. John Wesley said, the world is my parish. And if your ministry will get a heart for God's world, God will get a heart for your church. Leaders, let me tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to help you with this. Look here. You're a leader. Everybody you come in contact with, every other leader you come in contact with, you have to decide, am I going to be a climber or am I going to be a connector? See, many, many, many people in the church, we're trying to climb. We're, 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 my, my ministry's bigger. I, I, I'm accomplishing more. If I position myself here, I can get there. You, no, no, I'm just preaching where we live. You've got to decide, am I going to be a climber or am I going to be a connector? And what I'd rather do is I'm not trying to climb anywhere. I am trying to connect. Because if we can connect with one another and we can become friends, we can accomplish far more for the kingdom of God. So let's make up our minds that I'm going to be a connector. I'm not going to try to be a climber. I'm going to be a connector. Let me, number 10, live with gratitude. Live with gratitude every day. Live with gratitude. Lee Robinson, who started Tennessee Temple, Lee was in his 80s, and he was asked, if you could do your ministry over, what would you do different? And Dr. Lee Robinson said these words, I'd be more grateful. I'd be more grateful. There's always something to thank God for. Live with gratitude. A lady gets up. One morning, she's got three hairs on her head. She said, I believe I'll plaid my hair today. She gets up the next morning, she's got two hairs on her head. She said, I believe today I'll wear my hair in pigtails. She gets up the next morning, she's got one hair on her head. She said, I believe today I'll wear my hair in a ponytail. She gets up the next day. She don't have a hair on her head. She said, thank you, Jesus. I don't have to do my hair today. Amen. <laughs> I believe everybody needs a Paul in your life. Somebody who's been where you haven't been. Everybody needs a Barnabas in your life. Somebody that's just going to encourage you. And everybody needs a Timothy in your life. Somebody that you're pouring into. R.T. Kendall's a Paul in my life. And R.T. Kendall said this. He said, the greatest opposition to what God is doing today can come from those who were on the verge of what God was doing yesterday. And I said, I don't want to become bitter. I want to be grateful. I want to be a cheerleader. 
So when somebody leaves my church, somebody leaves my church, I just write them a card. And I thank them for the time they were there. I thank them for how God used them. And I pray that God will use them greatly in the future. And if you ever need me, I'm still here. You say, Pastor Benny, what happens? Many, many times they come right back. What, what are you saying? I'm saying live with gratitude. Number 11, add value to people every day. Add value to people every day. And you got to be intentional in this. Pastor, how, 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 can I, how can I add value? How can I add value to people every day? I, I want to give you six words, and I'm going to give them to you right fast. Number one, praise. Proverbs 18 and 21 says, death and life's in the power of the tongue. Think about this. God created this world, the rocks, the reels, the hoes, the hills, the birds, the bees, the flowers, and the trees. How was this world created? And God said, words created this world. Words can create your world. Words can create your world. Words can create your world. You, listen, listen, folks. You, you, you want to encourage people, learn to praise. Let me, let me tell you the second way you encourage people. That's with your presence. Just, just, just being there for people. Just being there. A friend's a person who walks in when everybody else walks out. Just your presence. The third way you encourage people is your preference. Romans 12, 10 says, in honor, preferring one another. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. The fourth way you encourage people, look, look, folks, is with your pen. Martin Luther said, if you want to change the world, pick up your pen. Look, every month I've got people that write me. Yes, every month I've got people that write me. I, when I get home, my wife will say, the mail is on the counter. Central Georgia Electric Company writes me every month. <laughs> I, I know, no, it gets better, folks. Verizon. They write me every month. I'm one of their favorites. But I'll come in and it'll sis, it will be all piled up on the counter. And I'll look, and there'll be one individual card there. And it'll say, Benny Tate, I'll give you three guesses which piece of mail I open first. Folks, I'm not, in, I, I'm not opposed to Instagram, send the pictures. I'm not opposed to text. I'm not opposed to emails. But it'll never be as powerful as a handwritten card. It, 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 it'll never be as powerful as a handwritten card. Look, look, look you, you want to you, you encourage people. You want to add value. Do it with your praise. Do it with your presence. Do it with your preference. Do it with your pen. Look, oh, I won't camp here long because I've already been here. But do it with your purse. Do it with your purse. Yeah, I travel. I'm, I, I travel all the time, as you well know. I'm, I, I, I travel all the time. I told Barbara the other day, I said, I'm going too much. She said, why do you say that? I said, well... The other day, I pulled up to the mailbox, ordered a Big Mac, ordered fries, and circled the house. <laughs> but sometimes when I'm out there, the Lord will lead me, Bishop, to get me a Diet Mountain Dew. 
and then I'll get me a Snickers candy bar. And what I've learned sometimes when I walk up to that counter, if I'll just take two candy bars and lay one up there, tell T.D. Jakes I'll call him back. I'm busy. <laughs> if I'll just take two candy bars and say, I got you one, two, when you have a break. See, generosity has to do not with the amount. It has to do with your heart. So, so, so with your purse, and then lastly, with your prayers. Lastly, with your prayers. Let, let, me, let, me, let me tell you the, the, the 12th step to finishing faithful. Is don't lose your family. Don't lose your family. I want you to understand, folks, I thank God for this institution. I thank God for Dr. Rick Chrisman. I, I thank God for this wonderful school. But I want to remind you something. Before there was this school, and before there was a church, and before there was a deacon, and before there was a bishop, and before there was an elder, and before there was any of that, there was a family. And, and I don't want to be like Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday got to the end of the way. He put his head in his hands and said, I've won the world of God but I've lost my family. I've won the world of God, but I've lost my family. Don't lose your family. Your number one responsibility is to your family. Don't lose your family. A dear friend of mine is Tommy Barnett. He preaches for me pretty often. Tommy Barnett said, Brother Benny, you missed this pastor's conference. But he said, let me tell you. He said, you know who spoke at it? I said, who spoke at it, Tommy? He said, Jim Baker. I said, PTL, Jim Baker? He said, oh, yeah. He said, he spoke at it. He said he repented while he was in prison. And, and let me just say this, folks. I believe this. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. We got a responsibility to love people back. God doesn't throw away the clay, and we shouldn't throw away the clay. Amen? Look here. Somebody said, well, I, I, I messed up, Pastor. Well, let me tell you something. When God called you, he knew you were going to mess up, but he still called you, amen? And he still wants to use you. God doesn't throw away the clay. He said, Jim Baker spoke at my conference. He said, I wish you could have been there, Benny. He said he talked about when he was in prison. He talked about one day his son, Jamie, come to see him in prison. Jim Baker said, I was in my orange clothing. I'd been cleaning commodes. And Jamie came. And he said, we spent time together. We talked. He said, the bell rang. He said, I knew that that meant all the guests, all the visitors must leave. 
He said, I looked at my son, Jamie. And I said, Jamie, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for you to see me like this. I'm so sorry for you to have to come here. And Jamie looked at his dad and he said, oh, daddy, don't apologize. Don't apologize. Don't apologize. He said, today is the greatest day of my life. He said, the greatest day of your life, son. He said, daddy, all my life, all I ever wanted was to spend an entire day with you. And then Jim Baker said to 7,000 of pastors, pastors, Christian leaders, don't let it take losing everything to spend one day with your son or one day with your daughter or one day with your wife. I want to finish faithful. I want to finish faithful. More than anything, I want to finish faithful. I've been doing it better than 40 years, but I want to finish faithful. 150 years ago when I closed with this story, in conclusion, my daughter was a little girl. A little girl stayed all night with us who didn't go to church. And she went to church with us. And I was preaching and I said, in conclusion, that little girl said to my daughter, Savannah, what does it mean when your daddy says in conclusion? Savannah said, absolutely nothing. But I promise in conclusion, A hundred and fifty years ago, the American Baptist Mission sent a missionary and his wife to Assam, India. Assam, India is where the primitive headhunters lived. This missionary goes to Assam, India, and he starts sharing the gospel. A man and his wife and two sons except Jesus Christ the chief of the headhunters he hears about it and he's very upset and he brings the man and his wife and two sons before him and he says denounce your faith or you'll face execution. And the man said instantly, he composed a song. That God gave him a song when that chief said, denounce your faith or you'll be executed. And ladies and gentlemen, he said these words, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. That chief said to his men, kill his sons 
They shot arrows through his sons while the boys lie twitching in the floor, dying. The chief said to the man, will you deny him now? And the man said, though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The chief ordered arrows into the wife and she joined the two boys in death. And as he looked and he saw his wife and two boys deceased, he said these words, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. He was shot and he was killed. And then the chief had a look on his face and he said, why would a man do this for a man who lived 2,000 years ago? I want that faith. I want that faith. And the missionary led him and all of his men to Jesus. And the chief said these words, I too belong to Jesus. I too belong to Jesus. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, 40 something years ago, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, yet I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. Not long ago, I was ministering in Northfield, Massachusetts. And I said, while I'm here, I want to study about D.L. Moody. And I went to Moody's home. And I went to Moody's grave. When D.L. Moody was a young man, a man by the name of Henry Varley said to D.L. Moody, the world has yet to see what God will do with, for, and through the man that's totally consecrated to him. D.L. Moody, a poor, uneducated, bad vocabulary man said I want to be that man ladies and gentlemen don't you want to be that man don't you want to be that woman that starts out for Jesus and says I'm going through yes I'm going through I'll pay the price whatever others do I'll take the way with the Lord's despised few I've started with Jesus and I'm going through can we stand and just give God praise for all he's done can we do that can we just give him praise
We hope you found this message a blessing to your life. More Columbia International University Chapel messages are available at iTunes and at podcast.ciu.edu. Learn more about CIU's undergraduate, seminary, and graduate programs at our website, ciu.edu. Columbia International University educates people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. Thank you for the opportunity to minister to you today.